Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at thebuglepodcast.com. That that bit's important. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is a podcast from The Bugle. Hello and welcome to Catharsis, the podcast where I lend a friendly ear to some fellow comedians who need to get some issues off their chests. I'm like a therapist, but free and therefore completely and utterly unqualified. We will be digging into pet peeves, old wounds and unpopular opinions. You can sweat the small stuff or even expel the big stuff with me. I don't know why I said expel the big stuff. I've already made it sound like someone's taking a shit at the beginning of the podcast. (laughs) Before we open up the can of worms with the guest, I like to talk about a couple of things that have been on my mind. Because recently I was asked for a top beauty tip. And I just think the beauty process as a woman seems to be roughly remove hair from some areas, let it grow in others, repeat until dead. (laughs) I feel like that's the entire cycle of being a woman. It's very relentless uh do i have any other beauty tips stand next to old people that's (laughs) yeah yeah you agree with that you agree with that yeah i agree with that in a way but i I think like let let hair grow in some places and and let it and and take it away is kind of like the birthplace of modern agriculture isn't it (laughs) and it's like what this uh Whole, whole capitalist system is based on. Yes, yeah. <laughs> You've heard her. This is my guest on Catharsis this week, the fantastic comedian, podcaster and writer, Alison Spittle. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Tiff. It's an honour to be here, genuinely. Have you got any other beauty tips you want to share? I've taken a beauty tip, actually, from the news lately. Um, Prince Harry uh, brought out his book and talked about using Elizabeth Arden, um eight-hour cream on his frostbitten penis. And uh, it's a very good product. And if it can do that for a penis, what can it do for my lips? So I've been using it lately. <laughs> it's been amazing. Like, genuinely, it's a great I've product. I've loved it for years, but I feel this has ruined it for me. I feel like, also, I don't need to know what a prince calls his penis. I would be fine. <laughs> his, his royal piss tube. I do not need to know. I think I could live my entire life without knowing that he calls it a todger. A todger. I know, not the royal we or anything like that. <laughs> But it is a top beauty tip, eight-hour cream. It's great for eye wrinkles, bags, lips, penises, apparently. (laughs) Um. If it's good enough for a prince's penis, it's good enough for my face. (laughs) There we go. There we have it. There's a product endorsement, if ever we had one. (laughs) 
The first section of the show is called Old Grudges, and that's where we ask our guest, which is you this week, Alison, to tell us uh, a personal gripe with someone from your past. Now, it could be someone at an old job. It could be someone from your childhood. It could be someone from school or a situation that happened where you left it feeling unsatisfied with the way it was resolved or it wasn't even resolved. So just get it off your chest. Hit me up. So my, my childhood was like full of rage um, <laughs> genuinely, absolutely seething anger. I used to be really into the idea of being an actress when I was a child and it was something I really wanted to do. And I grew up in quite a rural part of Ireland um, so there wasn't really a drama school or anything like that to go to. So the nearest thing we had to um, drama school in rural Ireland was the school nativity play. Like it would happen once a year and I was very into it. I really wanted the part of Mary um, because I thought Mary was quite a meaty role. She's the only woman with lines in the Bible. She's like the Hermione Granger of the <laughs> Bible. Uh, she's the only one you know anything about. So I really wanted to play Mary. And I was very, always like really inspired by Mary when I was younger. Especially like her, her fashion choices. Like for me as an Irish woman, uh, the inspiration of Mary in regards to fashion was kind of like, I remember she she always had like a, a bolero and a flower crown and I love that type of stuff I love anything that covers your arms when I was younger I used to hide my arms constantly I think it's like because my mum who I love like your parents put their own fears onto you yes and my mum was like oh you're going out have you got a cardigan like pop on a cardigan or like if we're going to a wedding it's like where's your bolero like please god where's your bolero it's such an odd fashion thing because i wore a bolero i've got a picture of me on my 12th birthday and i've got one and it's got coins hanging from it so it's like a proper bolero like like and i suppose we started calling them shrugs as well at some point but like bolero was the one and i was like why have we decided that we're all going to dress as matadors that's so true that's so true i like i don't know irish women like we we love covering our arms up so much that like we would even have our arms covered up during sex like the best <laughs> porno name I think for an Irish woman like film wise would be not without my cardigan like I feel <laughs> like that would be perfect so so yeah Mary's big inspiration and um, I uh, I tried out for the part of Mary um, every year uh, when I was in primary school and my headmaster like He's a nice man now, but we just didn't get on as as uh, an adult and a child. Like once I was walking down the hallway and he said to me, uh, Alison, uh, you walk like a man. Uh, and I was like about eight years old at the time. And I thought that was an incredible compliment. I was like, this man thinks I walk with confidence. This is amazing. <laughs> he was in charge of who got the roles at the nativity play. So I would try every year to get Mary. Not if you're walking on stage like that, Alison. I know. <laughs> You're more of a Joseph, he was saying. Uh, you don't have the the peak femininity to be the the mother of God, and um, so like even once my mum had like this lovely little blue silky number, it it was too short to be an actual like dressing gown. So I think it was actual lingerie, like it was a mini dressing gown, and I used to wear that to school. I used to take it out because I was thinking this is peak Mary outfit here. <laughs> 
if they see me in this enough, I'm going to get cast. Is that the thinking? Yeah, go around wearing my mother's lingerie. Like, it was, like on one of the lingerie in Ireland in the mid-90s, definitely had a sleeve. Like, it was just uh, the way. <laughs> so, um, eventually, um, there was only six girls in my class. And we were told that each year, a different girl from the class would get to be Mary. It was our last year of primary school. I was the only girl who didn't get uh, the role of Mary. And he gave me the role. I was delighted. And uh, we were rehearsing. And I was like, really? I'd read the Bible. I was trying to get like in the mindset of Mary. Did you go method? Oh, I went, yeah, yeah, method. (laughs) Certain lines, people. All the time, that's what they like. (laughs) I went method by going like, yeah, God's the dad. Like that was the the method I was doing. Um, But I'm... I had my hands in my pockets while rehearsing and uh, my headmaster looked at me and he said, uh, oh, um, do you want to play Mary? You don't look like you want to play Mary. And uh, because of my hands in my pockets, he gave the role uh, to my friend. So I never got to play Mary and I was absolutely raging. I am with you. I'm angry for you. You (laughs) cannot be given the role of Mary and then have it taken away because you had your hands in your pockets, presumably too manly like you're walking. Probably. He also like uh, he would punish any any boy that was bold. He'd make me sit up the front, and any boy that was a bold boy, he'd uh, make them sit beside me. Uh, but the thing is, I was great company, so this was no punishment for any boy. <laughs> like they would come up, they would have the time, I'd have impressions, I'd do everything. You're very entertaining. But I was like a Butlin's red coat, so I was. <laughs> at the front of class so what I love I love and it's such an Irish word as well like for like someone who's a bit cheeky is to say bald Bald, being very bald today I love it (laughs) here we have a headmaster who has denied you the role for many years accused you of being too mannish in your walk and then presumably because you had your hands in your pockets which could be construed as shyness or just comfort yeah was that an assumption that you were like too cool and didn't want to do it i think i think i was probably looking smug because i was feeling smug at that stage we just always had disagreements see he once i think my mum went in to talk to him one day about something and he he came out and he he did an impression of my mum to the class and then all the class were laughing so i think he was a bit of an entertainer himself like, I see him in the shop now and I'm kind of fine with him. But I am, like, looking back and I'm like, I, as a child, must have hit something in you that made you go crazy. Because that's crazy behaviour, you know? If he is a bit of an entertainer, I think we've 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 uncovered a nugget of truth here, which is sometimes when you dislike someone, and I'm not saying he disliked you as a child. He probably did. He, I wouldn't blame him. The stuff he, about you that he found difficult... Yes. is stuff that he found difficult himself or couldn't express in himself so that you were this person who was like, I want to entertain and I want to act and I want to be in the play and I'm super confident and that maybe those things, maybe either he saw those things in himself and he was irritated by when he, you know, yeah. or he was like, why is this child so bold? I need to be more bold or something in that. that yeah. You know. I was a real cheeky little monkey, I think. <laughs> and I, I, I get it. Like, the, what the heart, this is why I'd never be a teacher and never be a mum, is that, like, I, I know in myself that I'm capable of being cruel. 
You know what I mean? Yes. And of I course. just don't want to do that to anyone. I can be really petty. I remember once I fell out with this woman and she she was really good at a song in karaoke and I learnt that song. So then <laughs> if we were ever in the same room, I would go up and I'd sing that song before she got the chance to <laughs> That's the best piece of like petty revenge yeah. that I've heard on this podcast, Alison. I'm absolutely thrilled that you've shared that. Like, yeah. Because there's a realness to that. There is a thing of going, how can I get you? <laughs> I've fallen out with you. I dislike you. Oh, this thing that you're good at, would you, I'm going to do it better. Yes. And every time there's an opportunity for it to happen, I'm going to get up and do it first. Not even better. Just do it first. Like, just I do would it first, not even yeah. do well. You know what I mean? I'm just like, I'll just half-arse it. Because she can't go up then and do that. And even if she was brilliant at it. It would still be a repeat of that song. That you is know? so. I do feel like this head teacher is one day going to get a shout out from you. That might be your bit of catharsis around this yeah. story. Is that maybe at some point in your future, there's going to be a televised version of the Nativity with a bunch of comedians with you be... in your bolero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was really genuinely mad over it because I really wanted to play it, and I think it did put me off. Wanting to be an actor, like when I was when I was a you know a teenager. One one offhand comment from someone—it's sort of crazy, isn't it? One offhand comment from someone can make you think, can set a program in your mind to make you think that something's not possible. Yeah, to, and, and it's only when you're an adult and you unpack that and you go, "Who was even that person that said that to me?" Genuinely, thank you for sharing, and Ooh. hopefully, you know, he'll live to regret his decision. Alison, um, I hopefully you feel a bit better getting that off your chest. Oh, absolutely. And the weird thing is, is like, I wish him no ill will, but I do like chatting about it. Yeah. I'm allowed to, you know what it's I mean? It's fun, it's fun, isn't it? Yeah. It doesn't mean that you want, you know... I don't want him cancelled. You don't want him like cancelled. You, uh, you just want to get it off your chest, and sometimes that's all we need to do. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This section of the podcast we call Topical Cream, and this is where we apply some balm to a, a stingy news story that's got you all heated up. Something in the news. It doesn't even have to have been the past week, but the last couple of months. Something out there happening in the world. What's getting under your skin? Genuinely, and I think it's 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 a, it's a follow-on from what we were chatting about there, Nepo Babies. I would love to chat about it. 
Yes, let's talk Nepo babies. There's been two articles that have come out in the past few months. One is about American Nepo babies and one is about uh, British Nepo babies. Um, Like, I, I don't, I have no ill will towards Nepo babies. I understand as well why they exist. Like, say, for instance, my dad's a builder and, uh, you know, if I wanted to go into the building trade, I could see a way of doing it, you know. Like I yeah. could, yeah. I know what a chippy is. I know, I know, I know who pays well. I know who's a good boss. You know, if I wanted to get into it, I could do it. So I definitely see why people within the creative arts who have parents that are in the creative arts would want to pursue a creative life. But I think the horrible kind of statistic for me is that, like, uh, since the seventies. Um, the amount of working class people that work in the creative arts have halved, and it's just—I mean—it's just an indictment of everything, isn't it? It's—it's it's the yes, yeah, and it makes me so angry and sad because, most, like you know, I'm from a council estate. I have incredibly posh, lovely friends who have parents in the industry and everything like that, and I have friends who have parents who don't work in the industry who who don't like and who I think are incredibly funny or incredibly talented at singing or anything I can see people that have parents that are rich and creative they have a confidence about them that you can't you can never learn you know and the confidence is being able to live your life and knowing that there is a safety net for you and if I like genuinely I I look at my life um I had a really good landlord in Dublin who didn't raise the rent um, and had the rent at a price that I could live comfortably in that house while on the dole. And he just, he just, he inherited the house and he, he, he and I, I realised looking back that if I didn't have that, I don't think I'd be pursuing comedy in any way because I would have had to really get real about stuff and actually, you know, pursue something else that would like um, financially look after me. And I was able to work for free for about four years and pursue what I loved. So that is my... He's been my daddy, in a way, that guy. <laughs> uh, I want to shout out Philip, lovely man. And I, I'm really thankful and happy for that. Um, and I, I think you should uh, acknowledge all of your privileges, you know, and just be be happy. Like, if you are a Nepo baby, I can get that you might feel attacked. We're not attacking you. I just respect you less than someone who's grafted for it yeah that's all that's all you know we've got the oscars and the banshees of inner and yeah you know when we kind of look at those it's knowing that those opportunities exist for you i just didn't even know what the fringe was until i was like no 28 29 i was like oh this exists and then i found out when i found out that every year like one of the big venues takes up uh etonian boys to do a show and it's all paid for i was like oh this is just like mind-blowing to me and then like most of them aren't going to go on to be in entertainment anyway some of them might be like doctors or lawyers or whatever else and I'm like they just get to have this entry into the world and that feels incredibly unfair so when we talk about equality you know like it's uh, you know people like well it's not fair is it but we are talking about equality of opportunity not necessarily outcome yeah like the opportunities to even know that they exist in the first place that that there's a way to make money from performing there's a way to make money from art 
and that exists so and, and i remember seeing the nepo baby thing and seeing someone tweet kind of going i think we should concentrate more on on nepo babies that are in politics and blah 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 like oh lily allen lily was. i was lily allen yes. yeah like yeah. and you're like but, but people care about that as well i think the the positions of power but i think in terms of an industry where you're looking to see where you're looking to see people sort of represented, then you want to be able to see the representation. And I think it was Christopher Eccleson and Helen Mirren. You know, she's a dame, but she comes from a working class family. You know, she's a dame now, but she's like, this is terrible that we're not seeing the opportunity and thinking about the talent that you're missing. And I I remember when I got my first agent, because I was with a kid's agent, um, having like ringing. I just didn't know how it worked, right? Yeah. So even though I had my on my dad's side of the family, his sister was was an actress, but she sort of died when I was eleven. No, not even eleven. Nine years old. I remember meeting her a handful of times. Mm. Technically, I should have like that is an aunt who's working in, but no, I don't know. I've never met anyone from her life who's in that. Yeah, who's in that yeah, industry, yeah, yeah. right? So, on paper, like you, you could be classed as an F or baby if if they didn't. You know what? It's, yeah. it's interesting. But I never knew of any of the world of anything. I was just like left school. I left school at sixteen. I was going to go and do my A levels. I didn't. I left school at sixteen, and I was yeah. like, I wanted to be a journalist. That was my first thought and writer. And then I was like, No, I want to act. I want to do this. So I literally got out the yellow pages, and I rung every single acting agent I could find in it, and most of them just wouldn't even speak to me they just sort of put the phone down and then eventually I got through to one and she was like come down on Wednesday I have these improvisation classes and let's let's see what you're like and I was like nearly in tears going oh you're the first person and she was like darling I don't know who I'm turning down you could be the next great thing I feel like there's not the opportunity for working class kids and when it costs so much to cost to go to drama school now and also how you live how you live like working jobs and stuff like that I feel is like important that people who go into acting have, and I've done every single weird job under the sun before yeah. I was able to fully support myself by doing stand up as well, you know, yeah. in that side of the industry. That people have had like real jobs and real lives. Otherwise, yeah. what you get are these actors who's, who've never worked. They sort of went straight to drama school, they're supported by their parents, and then they just go and do auditions, and you're like, or they've got someone in the business, so like we enter into our first job at sixteen, seventeen, and you're like, but you don't know you're portraying a person, a real human who's yeah. lived in the world. How do you have any of the experience to show that? So do you think like people actors should have on their C V as well as horse riding and sword play, like also cashier work? Cashier, like, waiter. Yeah. yeah, like <laughs> I'm not saying you have to have done the thing that your character's doing, you know, there is acting in it. But I do think Mm. you need to have entered into the world of employment at some point, even if it's working in a call centre, to go, I know what it was like to get up every day and go into an office and engage with these people. I think as a writer, it's essential. Mm. You know, you just come through this system and then you're like, you can go away and write your novel, darling, because (laughs) your your father and your grandfather are in publishing. So you've got an open door and you go, oh, this person just doesn't know life. So how yeah. are they going to write life? You know, yeah, that's kind of why I love football. As in footballers, you really can't get on a football team due to who you know. It is what you can do with your body, and it's one of the only. It's one of the only industries as well that it, there's not a massive dis disparity between uh, working class people and you know. Yeah, uh, and it's also why I feel weird when newspapers cover footballers and how they spend their money 
And it's like, why do we care? Why don't you ask what Tom Hardy or Jude Law spent his money on? Like, why is it like this young guy that you've a problem with buying a mansion? Yes. And it's class. It's class. <laughs> it's class thing again. It's class. I know. But uh, no, nothing funny about that, but lovely to have a little rant. But it is. Nepo yeah. babies, there are, you, you kind of forget how much, and then in every level, when you look at Hollywood, you know, like every single level of it, you go, oh, the director, the producer. And that's where the problem is, where you go, someone's giving someone else a job. Like I've never had a door opened for me in this industry yeah. by someone that's a member of my family. I just haven't, like... And you wouldn't have, like, and so many of us, like, or in comedy or in stand-up. And listen, there are comics who have their kids going to stand-up as well. And they can be really great at it. But, you oh know, God, there's so, just so a shorthand. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. just a shorthand that's immediately there that says, this is an area that you can understand. Otherwise, we, you just have no idea. You go, what's an agent? What's, what's yes. an agent? What's a manager? What's a, what's a residual? Like, this world of, like, not knowing how any of the business works. And also, that is a thing that's not taught at drama school as well. Mm. And I just say, so many people come out of drama school not knowing how to even do a commercial audition or, you know, all the kind of stuff that I learned just from doing it when yeah. I got an agent. I would have never been a stand-up comedian unless somebody suggested it to me. And that was because I was doing, what, like... You know, you look at stuff and you know, it's because I was working in a radio station at the time that someone said to give it a go. And uh, I just want everyone to give stuff a go, you know? Yeah. So, uh, Nepo Babies, I think we're saying we don't hate you. What we no. do want is more opportunities for people in working class backgrounds and areas that, you know, that we feel are underrepresented. Thank you for sharing your topical story nepo babies let's see where we are in in 10 years people will still be having them (laughs) time to move on to your unpopular opinion alison this is a thing that everyone hates but you love or vice versa so i hate cake that's my country you hate cake wow people are always kind of surprised when i refuse birthday cake you know because I seem like the type of person that doesn't, you know, I'm not watching what I eat. But I just don't like cake. I don't like the texture of it. I think it's just uh, a slightly sweet loofah or a sponge. <laughs> you wouldn't have been friends with Marie Antoinette then? No. no <laughs> Let no, them no. eat cake. Let them eat cake. So this is, this is interesting. So texture is one of the things that I don't think I've ever met anyone before that doesn't like cake. I've met people that don't like certain types of cake. I'll meet someone who's like, well, carrot cake, like it's a vegetable yes. in a cake. Or yes. I don't like chocolate cake. It's too rich. I've never met anyone that is, this is very bold, Alison, to just come out and bold. say, I don't like cake. Now, of course, have I had exceptions to the rules? Yes. Like, uh, once I was at a party, it was a snazzy party, and I was very happy to be there. And the the birthday girl had just done Celebrity Bake Off, and she got, like, one of the people from Bake Off to make the birthday cake. I tried it, because I was like, look, obviously, of course I'm going to try Bake Off uh, Chef's Cake. It was one of the best things I've ever had in my life. That was incredible. But generally if you if you're not from if you're not like the winner of bake-off i'm not gonna bother with your cake you know what i mean it's only top tier cakes 
for you. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So it, do you think sponge then? Do you think sponge is a thing? Is it not moist enough for you? It's never moist enough for me. It is. It just sticks to the roof of my mouth. Icing is just uh, your eating decoration. There's no purpose in it for the mouth at all. It doesn't feel good in the mouth. It doesn't taste good on the tongue. You were absolutely just eating a uh, decoration there. And I don't like the whole idea of... I think birthday cake is, is my big hate. Um, because, first off, you get someone just blowing their saliva all over this cake and then you're <laughs> supposed to have a certain slice of it. Imagine if someone came up to you and you were going to eat some pasta. And they're like, wait, wait a second. <gasps> Blew all over your pasta. Please enjoy. You're not going to eat it. I'd be like, that person's a madman. I'm offering this with a side of germs. I've never yeah. thought about that before. I've never thought about the. I thought maybe I thought that smoke somehow clears away the bacteria from the candle. <laughs> I don't think I've ever. And now you put that in my mind, I'm never going to be able to eat a slice of birthday cake. I'm sorry. Genuinely, it's like it's like they're treating saliva like parmesan, just throwing it on top of your pasta. <laughs> Hold on now. I wonder if this is like... Do you remember uh, as kids they would have chicken pox parties? Wow. Right? So when you were a kid, like, because if it was going round, it was like, you're going to get it. You might as well get it when it can be managed rather than be somewhere you can't get it. Or after you've had your, you know, whenever. So they would have these chicken pox parties, get everyone, get get an immunity happening. Ah. Do you think that's what the government were trying to do Three years ago. Yes. When they're like, oh, it's a big COVID party. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Just, no, exactly that. Exactly. Spread it round. Spread it round. <laughs> I'm wondering if this was a way of like getting kids to get, because kids get, you know, I mean, it's changed a lot recently because there's a lot more of like people like being kids are intolerant to this and that and the other. And But mm. I do think back, you know, when we were growing up, you know, like back in the 80s or you're younger mm. than me, so, you know, maybe 90s, kids needed to be near germs to just get an immunity to everything. So I wonder if that was the origin of blowing out candles on a birthday cake was we've all yeah. got to share a bit of bacteria around because we all live together. Maybe. I know that, like, the whole point of everyone gathering around, calling the caterpillar to me, can just fuck off. Uh, sorry to swear. He's a petri dish. Of He's an absolute petri dish. You just gather around a piece of food that you're not that arsed about, and then uh, everyone consumes it together. You have no choice in the matter. Everyone has to eat the same bit of dessert. Like I would rather like a trio of desserts, maybe a profiterole, yeah, or something yeah. like that. But to have to have a candle on top of it. It just, uh, it it just is crazy to me. So it's sort of cooking it, but not cooking it. So it's slightly heating the top layer as well. Yeah. Uh, to have a cold cake underneath. See, I've never really had anyone come on and do an unpopular opinion that's convinced me into thinking, actually, <gasps> that's really? rank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, ha- I just hadn't thought about spraying spittle, Alison. Absolutely. Look, that's, and people have asked me before, is that my stage name? And I'm like, why would I pick... <laughs> The name of something that hangs off the side of your mouth. What does that say, glamour? It ought to be Alison Sparkle. I should have done that. Should have changed. Imagine me. Alison Sparkle. Sparkle. Oh my God. Oh, please. I think you should make Alison Sparkle your alter ego. Or just Ali, ego. Ali Sparkle. Ali Sparks? 
Ali's, Ali yeah. Sparks. Ali Ali, Spar- Alison Sparkle. She's an 80s soap diva icon who's had eight marriages. And <laughs> she just walks into a room with a cigarette on the go and huge shoulder pads. Yeah, just like, I've had men like you before. <laughs> and I'll have you again. <laughs> I think we should write this soap. You can start. Look, we just. This is what happens, as we discussed earlier on, as a working class. You just make your own work. You create your yes. own. If you don't get cast in the nativity play, if you're not a nepo baby, you just have yeah. to create your own soaps, uh, alter egos. And uh, I can't wait. We'll do a, like a cat fight. We'll do some hair pulling and stuff. Oh, I would we love can, that. That pure eighty soap. I would look if I was to go into a soap nowadays. I think I would be like Alison Sparkles. The new injectionist in the in the beauticians, and I don't have a license, <laughs> you know, and I'm just running away from like <laughs> what from people who've had botch jobs. <laughs> yeah, we've got a botch Botox. Yeah, and I just <laughs> slap it off the side of her face to the other side, and it fixes it. It's perfect, you know. Get out of my pub, slap. It's time for our historic beef. Two Italian men having a row is my absolute fave, unless one of them is my husband. Uh, Well, actually, he is Scottish-Italian, so he's passionate, doesn't like to talk about it. But I think, (laughs) as a society, we are obsessed with Italian men feuding. Think Mafia Dons, Enzo Ferrari and Ferruccio Lamborghini. Think Mickey Angelo and old Leo DV. So Michelangelo, (laughs) Leonardo da Vinci, I think they're the ones who originally kick this obsession off of Italian men fighting that historically we've become obsessed with. So these two were, they were not lovers and fighters. They were peers and rivals. So the best way to describe, they they famously sniped at each other throughout their careers. They're not the same age. Uh, uh, Michelangelo Michelangelo was in his 50s when Leonardo da Vinci was in his 20s. I'm kind of on Michelangelo's side already because he's older. <laughs> I found this account originally reported. Uh, the above anecdote is recounted in an anonymous manuscript, apparently written in the late 1540s, but presumably by their version of Heat magazine, like the Heat wow. magazine of the Renaissance era. I don't know what it would be called. Look, hello, okay. I mean, okay magazine, quite often populated by people who are quite clearly not okay. But yeah. <laughs> um, maybe it would have just been called Paint or Polymath Weekly. You know, these were the polymaths. Yeah, polymath bitch. Polymath like pop bitch, there we go. <laughs> so according to polymath bitch, this anonymous account... Leonardo da Vinci and his friend Giovanni di Gavina were passing the public benches at the Palazzo Spiniferoni, and I'm probably massacring the the Italian here, so we'll get lots of complaints, near Florence Church of Santa Trinita. Some men were debating a passage in Dante. They called out to Leonardo, asking him to expound the passage for them. By chance, Michelangelo happened to be passing too, and one of them hailed him. At this, Leonardo declared, Michelangelo will be able to expound it for you. So the passage from Dante. Michelangelo assumed this was said to entrap him, causing him to reply, no, you explain. You, who have undertaken the design of a horse to be cast in bronze but were unable to cast it and were forced to give up in shame. So saying, he turned his back on them and began to depart. Leonardo remained, blushing at these words. Finally, wishing to humiliate his rival further, Michelangelo called out again, 
and to think you were believed by those castrated Milanese roosters. Oh, a lot to unpack here. I a think. lot to unpack. I think I think Michelangelo overdid it a bit. I don't know about you. <laughs> yes, Michelangelo feels like he's been stopped to ask for an opinion, and I get that. I get that. Sometimes you know when what it's like when you're having a conversation or a couple of people are having a conversation, and yes. you walk by or you come into it, and uh, you have no idea of the context of what's being discussed, and oh, you could just you could just drop in a rogue opinion. And then all of a sudden, you're absolutely in the shit. Imagine you're in the conversation. Someone's like, well, Alison will explain this. Yeah, it's like it's like kind of like if you hear two people talking about someone and you'd be like, oh, yeah, they're really annoying, aren't they? And they'll turn around and go, actually, they're quite sick at the moment. And we were uh, trying to, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, I'm just very annoyed at the sickness that they have, you know? <laughs> Yes, it's a thing that happens quite a lot. There could be a bit of a slagging happening, to use an Irish phrase. Absolutely. And, and someone starts the slagging, and then if you join in, they go, well, actually, they're quite a nice person. And you go, okay, you just said something mean about them, and totally. I was just backing you up, totally. and now I'm out that. of order. <laughs> I hate that. Genuinely, I think all better. Like, literally, if I go into a slagging session with other people, I say, I, 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 I put out my perimeters, I go... There are two people that I love and I will not hear anything said against them. Everyone else, go for it. Do you know what I mean? Because I probably don't know them well enough to defend them or whatever. I'll yeah, these people that. to the death. If you say yeah. anything, I will You, I will come down on you. And do you know what? Those two people are probably the two most difficult people I know that everyone should be. You know what I mean? That I'm like, no, actually, they're actually quite nice. <laughs> So what we have to unpack here is is someone being brought yes. into a conversation. No, you explain it. Undertaking the design of a horse to be cut. So there's a, a critique there of Leonardo's skills, isn't Talent. there? Like, yes. you 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 cast a horse, you were unable to cast it, and you were forced to give up in shame. Like, you attempted a piece of art. Like, I don't know what the equivalent would be for comedians. It would be like you wrote a whole show and then it got a one star review. That's it. Or you did a joke about something controversial and you got called out for it. And it right. wasn't good enough to be... You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you couldn't back it up. Yeah, so, so, with so actual it, jokes. It's bringing up one of your failures as a job and then going... And to think you were believed by those castrated Milanese roosters. I love that. Castrated Milanese rooster does sound like a dish at an Italian restaurant. It, it does. <laughs> it does. And I just love old, old-timey slag, slagging off. Because it often is like farmyard animals, isn't it? <laughs> yes, a cock or a rooster. She's a donkey, isn't it? You, know? <laughs> you are an ass. <laughs> you, are, you are the son of an ass or whatever. <laughs> she um, is but a lamb. <laughs> Michelangelo, over the course of apparently his career, was aware of Leonardo's opinions. And then it says, which about the older artist does not seem to have been reticent. When Michelangelo was asked by... Benedetto Varchi in 1549 about the paragon, the long-standing debate about the ranking of the various arts. He wrote acidly, as to that man who wrote saying that painting was more noble than sculpture, if he'd known as much about the other subjects on which he has written, why, my serving maid could have written better. (gasps) Maybe his serving maid is very good at writing, though. We don't know how good that maid was. (laughs) She wasn't a Nepo baby. She was working class. She was definitely working class. <laughs> My serving maid could have written better. 
So, yeah. and and that's about the debate, the long-standing debate about whether painting is more noble, noble than sculpture. What is noble, though? Yeah, what is noble? Who wants to be noble? Is noble in the eye of the beholder? Have you ever given a compliment to something by saying it's noble? Actually, I have a dog. Like once I said, a dog had a very noble face. Yeah, horses and dogs come across as quite noble. You wouldn't say it about a cat. Cats aren't noble. No, it's the longness <laughs> of their face, isn't it? Yes. Cat, also, <laughs> the cat, cats are floozies, you know, <laughs> dogs and horses. So I'm trying to find if, if uh, during my research, how much Leonardo yeah. kind of slung back at Michelangelo. And I did find this that said, it's also possible that Leonardo's warning in his notebook to an unnamed anatomical painter about the Ooh. dangers of emphasising musculature for its own sake, resulting in figures that look like bags of walnuts, was a reaction to the heroically defined bodies <laughs> created by Michelangelo. So obviously David, um, Michelangelo's David was very... Yes. So he's kind of saying that your, your, your sculptures look like a bag of walnuts, which is, again, like we say, old-timey insults are great. That's a great line, though. I, I literally, I literally exhaled on the microphone there, like I was listening to a battle rap where someone had brought up someone's mum or something. I'm like, oh, because they do look like a bag of walnuts. Walnuts are incredibly muscular. I think again in this, it's one of those ones where they say of the rivalry. I don't think they ever really made it up, but it did. They did push each other's work. Yes. So I think the insults about each other's work, and this often comes up if we're sort of discussing rivalries i guess is the idea that sometimes it can be bitter and angry and dangerous and damning but it also can be a prompt for for people to create better work because if there's no one there to compare or contrast your work against i guess like do we all write better comedy because you know there's someone out there whose stuff you just go ugh, i don't like the way they do it but everyone seems to love them you know, not not that I use that to write my entire Edinburgh shows. <laughs> that sounds like... <laughs> but it, do you know what? Genuinely, I think like this year's... Or my show that I'm touring now, what, is significantly better than other shows that I've done before because I've moved to the UK. I understand how the process works. And also, uh, all of my peers around me are working their whole year towards that Edinburgh thing and in Ireland it was different you kind of got your club set kind of uh you you did like one big gig a year or whatever and, and this is like a whole process and you do get reviewed and I didn't want to get bad reviews so it did push me and I was bitter at some points in Edinburgh you know where some, I mean I have been like oh I think my show's better than that person's show and that's a horrible feeling to have but that feeling also helped me write better jokes. Sometimes it's my show's better than their show. Or sometimes it's like, oh my God, that's so wonderful that they've done yeah. that. And that makes me go, I need to produce something wonderful. One of the wonderful things about being surrounded by other people who do the form, you know, the creative art that you do in whatever form it takes, you know, because acting is a bit more of a team process and that's all about supporting each other to make the whole end result great. And stand-up's very solitary, kind of like, you know, painters are or sculptors are, that you sometimes need people around you to measure what you're doing to inspire you as well as rivalry. So I think it can be very inspiring if you use it the right way. Absolutely, absolutely. It's all just dick jokes though. I mean, it's not... (laughs) (laughs) I was comparing myself to Michelangelo. (laughs) Now, we're moving on finally before we close the podcast 
to uh, what I like to call angry aunt, which is where I take someone's side regardless. Uh, we get listeners uh, sending in their problems. I've got one here that says, Dear Tiff, I've very recently written an intimate tell-all book talking about my family, in particular my brother. He's not talking to me. What's the best way to make up with a sibling? I mean, you can have a guess at who the, who who sent this letter in. He lives <sighs> in America now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, Thank you for your recommendation for Elizabeth Arden, 8-Hour Green. <laughs> it has changed my life. You're not a spare to me. I feel like uh, with that person, they may have had trouble communicating with their family before. This has got it all out in the open. And uh, eventually people do forgive. So I think just give it time. Yeah. And don't regret what you did, you know? No regrets. Yeah, angry aunt says... Fuck regret. Absolutely. I will get angry. I'm angry yeah. for you. Yeah. Some shit went down and it was really, really bad. So fuck regretting. But moving forward, can we approach each other as equals? Maybe not in this situation because there's a hierarchy and where a hierarchy is involved. Yes. You know? I mean, I wonder does 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 Harry look at William and go, damn Nepo babies. <laughs> 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 I think that's a perfect point to finish on. <laughs> Thank you for joining me on the podcast, Alison. Um, it's been a joy. I've learned a lot about you. You've changed my mind on some things. Do you feel better now you've got it all off your chest? Genuinely, I do. Genuinely, I do. I hope, like, yeah. Yeah, it's so, it's so hard, isn't it, sometimes to talk about stuff that makes you slightly angry? Because it feels weird to do it. Anger has an energy, I suppose. Despair doesn't. And despair is kind of where anger goes if you don't get to express it in a healthy way. Oh, that is a great... You genuinely are a helpful therapist. (laughs) I thought that was a joke at the start. And I'm like, wow. What have you got coming up, Alison? Anything you want to share? I do. I am touring with my show called Wet, which was one of the best reviewed shows of Edinburgh Fringe. I'm hitting everywhere. uh, Belfast, London uh, on the the 15th and 16th of... uh, March I'm doing Soho Theatre and that's my first ever time doing a Soho Theatre run. That surprises so really me. Excited. That's a point again, Nepo babies. <laughs> <laughs> I've also got a podcast with Carrie Katona called Wheel of Misfortune that's coming back. Well I'm very excited to see that in March. I am also on tour. I'll be at Soho Theatre in May. So you could go on after listening to this. You can like, subscribe, write a nice little review about the podcast and then maybe book tickets to see me and Alison at Soho Theatre. Follow me uh, on Twitter. Send your problems in. Hashtag Angry Aunt. Send them to me on Twitter or even on Instagram and we will try our best to address them on the show. Thanks so much for coming on, Alison. Thank you so much. Have a, it's such an honour being on it. You really appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.